You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Um, we got another day in the books. We got another combine day in the books. It was, um, as expected, filled with a lot of talented individuals. Specifically, the offensive tackle group is pretty stacked. Um, I think the tackle group is probably the best group in this entire draft class, just from a standpoint of, you know, I've talked about wide receiver and tight end, maybe not necessarily being top heavy, especially tight end. There is no first round prospect tight end, presumably. Um, and even the second round guys you look at, um, you're not over the moon. In other words, when you look at tight ends, usually there's like two or three guys at the top that you're super excited about. Maybe one other guy that's, you know, like fourth or fifth on the list that you get excited about. But it's usually just the top guys. And same with wide receiver where you've got, you know, maybe the first three three or four. And it's like, man, you really hope that fourth guy gets to you. And then after that, it's like, I don't know, he's pretty good. He's kind of good. It doesn't feel that way this year with wide receiver and tight end necessarily. That's not to say the guy that goes first isn't best. I mean, obviously, that's the assumption. But I just feel like you can fall in love with a guy that is a second-round guy, a third-round guy, whatever, because it's such a, like I said, a slow drift downward. And it's not even just a drift downward because there's different styles of players. Again, Garrett Wilson is like, what, 183 pounds? If you're looking for a bigger guy, you would probably rather have Drake London or one of the other, you know, plethora of guys. If you're, I mean, if you're looking for speed, if you're looking for height and speed, if you're looking for a slot guy, if you're looking, you, you have different preferences. And you don't feel that terrible about it because you look at a guy that might be a third-round prospect and go, I don't know, man, he, he could possibly be better than such and such. Offensive tackle, though, is a little bit different in where you have really high top end and depth. So I counted out how many were in the top 100 of each different position. I'm not going to go find the tweet, but um, there were 15 at wide receiver. And most of that, again, is not super top heavy. Um, Offensive tackle, though, number one overall pick is probably going to be an offensive tackle or very well could be. And there's two guys that are in contention for number one overall pick that are tackles. Now, that's also the case with edge rusher, but that's a separate issue, which is almost entirely top heavy. And then there's a smattering of guys here and there which may change once these guys you know run their 40s and do their drills the three cone etc cetera, etc cetera. find out if they got that explosion and that bend and everything else they, they might start to to rise up and get some hype but offensive tackle is heavy top end and deep you've got 16 guys in the top 100 so in the first three rounds in particular and then even beyond that again there's there's other guys that have just been really impressive and uh, similar to wide receiver you've it's it's largely a speed thing so we'll get to all that. Um, not as much like news as there was with wide receivers and tight ends. I don't have as much interesting tidbits, but we'll go over um, who the top guys were, where they were ranked, and how they did. And then, um, again, we're going to be keeping an eye on where these guys are moving up, down, or otherwise. Uh, we'll do a little bit of an update to see if anything changed with wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterbacks. Uh, again, these things are kind of slow to come around. But before we get into all that, by the way, it was running backs and offensive line yesterday. Almost no news on running backs. It's a pretty, it's not a super great class. The interesting thing about it, though, 
when I was making my list of how many guys do I want to do, I looked at it and there were only, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, six running backs in the top 100. So I was going to do exactly what I did with tight end and just do the top 200. By the way, Isaiah Spiller was number one. He was ranked 48th. So like mid second round before anybody even cares. The thing is, I didn't even get to 200 because the amount of running backs in that 100 to 200 range, if you're looking for a mid round running back, it is so unbelievably stacked. It's stupid. I just stopped. I said, I'm going to go to 150. So you've got Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, uh, Kyron Williams, James Cook, and Brian Robinson out of Alabama. Those are the only guys in the top 100. Then I started going on and I said, okay, Damian Pierce, 106, Tyler Algier, 121, Rashad White, 125, Zamir White, 128, Hassan Haskins, 144, Devontae Pierce, 145, Jerome Ford, 146, Pierce Strong, 148, Tyler Batty, 149, or Beatty or whatever. He's, he's a baddie. That's so stupid. And I, I just I just stopped because that's plenty. And there's there's a lot more between 150 and 200. So you know, you look at running back and just go, eh, it's a trash class. It's not really a trash class. There isn't a top end. But when you get to around the third round, let's call it, there's running backs and 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 running backs for days. And here's the thing with running back. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's something the Packers are going to look to overlook. In fact, I think it's probably a higher need than a lot of people would acknowledge. Again, I don't really know that Aaron Jones is going to be sticking around for very long. A lot of people seem to think that he will, and they'll just kind of continue to extend him, and we'll just keep working. But he's a running back, and it was already surprising that they gave him the one contract that he did. He's already got serious injury issues. He's had it since day one. He's a smaller guy. He doesn't really fit the profile. He's kind of a, no offense to Aaron, he's kind of a replaceable guy in terms of just being smaller doesn't have a long shelf life, just get another guy that's kind of smaller, shifty receiver type. Not Now, you're not going to find a guy as good as Aaron Jones, but that's kind of the idea. Because he's so good, he got another extension. But I, I don't think this is a guy where it's like, well, we'll just keep him around until he's like 32, 33. No. The injuries continue to pile up, and, and I think A.J. Dillon probably replaces him this year as the number one running back. And so his contract just becomes stupid to the point where he's probably not sticking around. Now, we've got other guys on the roster that we like here and there, but the Packers don't seem to like him very much. We got two guys the Packers like, and nobody else really gets a shake at this thing. So, you know, do I expect first round, second round, or even third round running back? No, but that's not where this class is deep anyways. It's not until you get to, well, I guess maybe the back of the third round, but kind of fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, even seventh round, I would not be surprised. And, and the great thing is, again, like I said with the Packers, is when, where, where you're stacked at a position is where the Packers like to go. Why? Because when you're stacked at a position, guys fall. If you've got, for example, just look at this little run here, uh, 121, 125, 128, and 144. That's where they're supposedly kind of uh, expected to go. Even just the, well, and then, then beyond that, 144, 145, 146, 148, 149. Are all these guys going to be taking running backs? Let's just assume everybody did 100% best player available and that this, this big board is exactly correct. However, unless it's just something you absolutely do not need. So of course, some of these teams are going to pass, especially since it's running back and it's not that high of a priority and you've only got so many picks. You got teams like the Bears and whatnot that didn't even get a first round pick. So, well, I shouldn't say that because the Bears a couple of years ago didn't have any picks and the first thing they do is trade up for a running back because they're stupid. But um. I guess I can't hate on them too much. It's like the only guy on their team that's any good at football. But the point is, 
Let's even if uh, Hassan Haskins goes at 144, the next best player is Devontae Price, a running back. The next best player is Jerome Ford, a running back. Two picks later is Pierre Strong. One pick later is Beatty. So the point is, you might have five, six, seven teams go by before anybody's interested in Devontae Price. So now we're at, you know, in, in the 150s, then you got a guy at 145, and then somebody takes him. Then you got another four, five, six, seven. So we're getting into nearly pick 200, and we've still got these guys in the 140s. Some, some, by the way, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're talking about 11 running backs already off the board. That's 11 teams that are not interested in another running back on top of the teams that don't need a running back. If the Packers hold out until pick, you know, from between 150 and 200, fifth round pick 170, for example, or even possibly one of the three seventh round picks, the point is these guys are going to continue to get pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. I would say that fifth round pick 170 is kind of a sweet spot. Now, there's maybe other positions that are kind of that way, and maybe there's another guy at another position that fell even further at a bigger position to need, but I'm looking at that 170 going, there's going to be running backs that should have gone 20, 30 picks ago. Now, we don't have a six-round pick, so we don't pick again until 226, so maybe those running backs get cleaned up before then. I don't know, but the point is, um, there's all, and, and this happens every single year, there's a bottleneck of running backs, because there's always a big pile of them, and there's only so many running backs that go, and they just start to pile. Every time you do a, a simulator, by the time you get to the fifth or sixth round, the top eight picks are going to be all running backs. But the point is, if you're drafting best player available and you do need a running back, you've got a, you got a heck of a, a, a pile to choose from. So that's just sort of my overall thought on the running back position, which again, is kind of seen as just a garbage class. I think that's just us only caring about the first round and only caring about the top of the top of the top guys, which is kind of stupid. Because that's not really a correct representation of the running back class. There's a lot of running backs. There's a lot of talented running backs. Just no, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's. And by the way, who cares? Outside of Christian McCaffrey, how many first-round running backs do you want to actually spend a first-round pick on? Derrick Henry was a second-round pick. A.J. Dillon was a second-round pick. Aaron Jones was, what, a fifth-round pick, fourth-round pick? I can't. I can never remember. I always say fourth, but then I feel like I'm, I always get that wrong, and it's a fifth, but maybe that's backwards. I don't know. doesn't matter. Ezekiel Elliott, again, is useless right now. Tony Pollard was was the better of the two running backs in Dallas, and he was a fourth-round pick. Um, A.J. Dillon was the next highest-graded second-round pick. Jonathan Taylor was a second-round pick. Damian Harris was a third-round pick. I'm going through all the top running backs. Khalil Herbert in Chicago, sixth-round pick. Um, Rashad Penny is actually on this list. Uh, he's a first-round pick, but that was only one, two, three, four, five games that he played that was really good. He played like half a year, so... That's he had half his year was garbage, 52, 47, 49, 60, 57. And then half the year was really good down the stretch. So I guess you can kind of give him credit for that. Um, Melvin Gordon was a first round pick, but he's been really inconsistent his entire career. Again, it's not a question of are these guys just straight trash? It's is it worth it? Is it worth the investment of a number 15 overall pick for Melvin Gordon? The answer is no. If Melvin Gordon was a fourth round pick, would this be awesome? Heck yeah. But for a number 15 overall, no. Aaron Jones, there you go. Fifth round pick, 182, was the next highest graded. Um, And then you get Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs would be one of the better examples of a first round pick just being a stud. But even so, the value is still kind of, I mean, how much does, you can't drag your team. I mean, if you look at how much benefit you get from elite play at a certain position, obviously quarterback is number one. You look at the benefit of wide receiver, edge rusher, um, you know, cornerback, 
tackle. It's just, it doesn't rank super high, right? Josh Jacobs could be the best running back in the world, and it's still, well, I guess Derrick Henry kind of does it. Again, second round pick. Anyways, whatever. I think just casting off the running back group as a garbage group is not necessarily the uh, best way to look at it. It's incredibly deep in the middle rounds. There isn't a lot of top end, but who cares? They're freaking running backs. So I got 15 guys uh, by the time you get to 150. Probably would be easily 20 or so by the time you get to 200. And again, I just didn't, I didn't want that many guys. I didn't need that many. I needed more than the six I got in the top 100, but I got, I got an extra 10 in the next 50, which is incredible. Anyways, uh, before we get into what happened yesterday, a couple things. Some of the official times came in, and there's been a lot of complaints about the combine in general. One of the things is that the there's always corrections, but some of them were way off. So Olave was seen as a guy in the four twos, right? It was like, dude, he ran a. I don't remember even what it was, four two, whatever. His official time though was a four three nine. Now again, like I said, it doesn't matter that much because blazing fast is blazing fast. But it was a major correction, right? I mean, imagine running a four four two, and then they're like, oh my bad, it was a four five two. My bad. That sucks. And it does make a big difference because like 439 is you have the speed to be a speed guy. Four twos is like this guy is just stupid fast. Like it's it's unbelievable freakish speed. 439 is not really freakish speed. I mean it there was a time in which I said it was, but again, at this point, there's so many four threes every single year. It's becoming a little bit more common. Four two is the really uncommon thing, and you know, so Alave's fast, bottom line, right? Uh, not as fast as as we initially thought, but he's fast. Another interesting tidbit about the first group, um, this is via Kent Lee, Kent Lee Platt again, Mr. Math Bomb. He says, this might be a first. Every tight end that chose to test at the combine posted an above average RAS. Again, stacked group. The fact of the matter is, of all the guys that tested, and there were a lot, we talked about a, a portion of them, every single one is at least an above average athlete. That's stupid. That's unbelievable. I mean, it doesn't mean they're freak athletes, but the, the, the pool of tight ends that you have to choose from when athleticism is a major component, which it is for every team, but especially probably the Packers, the ability to move and whatnot, it's, it's incredible, right? The, again, just the pool of guys that you have to choose from is awesome, and I'm very excited to really start to dig in a little bit more on these things, on these prospects, and uh, just I'm, I'm, I'm excited to start to fall in love with some of these prospects. Another note, um, apparently it was nine, and, and again, I mentioned how it seems like every year guys are just getting faster, which makes sense. I mean, that's always been the case. It's why we, we can't really compare the 1960s teams to the, you know, the 1990s and the 2000s and all that, because things change. You know, the, the um, it's not necessarily that the genetics are changing, but the, the training and everything else and the way of doing things is, is improving. The science, I guess, is improving. And that's going to be true today, you know, whereas 4-3 was just this untouchable number, now 4-3 is becoming more common. Now, again, I remember back when we had Jeff Janis and a couple other guys, uh, Trevor Davis, they were they were 4-4-2 and 4-4-4 guys. We had like three of them on our team, and it was like, we have a, a stupid fast group. Now 4-4s is kind of standard, you know? It used to be 4-5 was kind of standard, 4-4 was fast, at least that was kind of the the general feel. Now it's 4-4 is standard, 4-5 is, eh, you can survive. 4-3 is fast, and 4-2 is stupid fast. But anyways, nine receivers yesterday posted 40-yard dash times under 4.4. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the tweet was as of yesterday. They must have updated this as something changed because the title of this article says eight wide receivers posted 40-yard dash times. 
Anyways, somebody got bumped off that list, apparently. But Tyquan Thornton, another guy who initially was a 4-2-1 that was going to break the record, um, came back. He was somewhat slower, but still 4-2-8 after his laser time was determined. But he was the fastest of that entire group. Um, You also had Alec Pierce at a 4-4-1. And that was adjusted up from 4-3-3. So again, like that's four, the difference between 4-3-3 and 4-4-1 in my mind is relatively big, just from a perspective standpoint, because it's like 4-4-1 is basic speed, 4-3-3 is blazing speed. Um, Velus Jones Jr., who we didn't even talk about yesterday, um, Tennessee wide receiver, ran with the earlier groups, had the next fastest official time after um, Tyquan Thornhill. He ran a 4-3-1. Calvin Austin, who we did talk about, ran a 4-3-2. Uh, Danny Gray out of SMU was a 4-3-3. Rutgers' Bo Melton was a 4-3-4. NDSU's Christian Watson, who I really want to start doing a deep dive on because he is MVS to a T. Um, and we here's the thing. We all know the potential of MVS, and some people love MVS. You know I have not been the biggest fan of MVS just because there's so much potential just sitting on the table. A guy that's that tall and that fast. I mean, granted, like I said, he got drafted as late as he did for a reason because he's got Calvin Johnson attributes. But um, the point is, a guy with that amount of of size and speed, you feel like should be able to do more. Christian Watson has that and more. The only real difference, because they were almost identical down the line, his explosion grades, MVS was terrible. He had terrible explosion. Christian Watson has elite explosion grades. But uh, he ran a 4.36. Ohio State's Garrett Wilson ran a 4.38. Ohio State's Chris Olave was, um, as I said, a 4.39, I believe is the final. Something else that I thought was pretty interesting, again, from Math Bomb, he was doing some comps. Um, I had mentioned Christian Watson was very, very similar to um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. If that doesn't sell you, I know there's some people who are obsessed with this guy, probably a slightly better comp, Denzel Mims. <laughs> So for every reason, the Packers can redeem themselves with Christian Watson. The you guys missed out on Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims would have fixed everything, blah, blah, blah. That whole thing. The, uh, you know, improving on what could have been with MVS. Christian Watson just saw he checks all the boxes, man. Now, are we going to do it? No, we're probably not going to do it. But redemption, right? Maybe there can be healing. Maybe there can be forgiveness um, by drafting Christian Watson. Uh, a little bit of news on the Green Bay front. This uh, via Mr. Ken Ingles. Christmas comes early for the Green Bay Packers. The NFLPA's public cap report now includes each team's top-line cap adjustment, with the Packers showing an increase of 5167400 for 2022. He says that is well above what I was expecting. Now, he has not posted any kind of an update. He says he's looking to confirm the information um, I also don't really know exactly what his estimation was. He says well above. Um, I have to assume it's a couple million. Um, I mean, it can't be more than five. But as he says, every little bit helps. So um, looking forward to getting an updated report to see how far away we are from um, getting this thing completely cleaned up, getting under the cap and getting all that moving. And obviously, again, I have to assume we're getting some news relatively soon. I mean, this next upcoming week is... Um, I mean, we're getting into franchise tag territory March 8th, which is, what is that, Monday? Let me check. March 8th, uh, Tuesday. I should have known. Everything's on a Tuesday for some reason. March 8th is the first day that you can designate the franchise tag or transition tags. Uh, March 14th through the 16th, you've got the legal tampering period. And then March 16th, you have free agency. 
So as of the 16th, which is a week and a half away, all the guys that we don't have signed can go bye-bye. And starting the 14th, which is you know a week and a couple days, our guys can start talking to other teams about how much money they can offer them, right? Like, hey, don't sign anything. We got something. We want you real bad. We're going to hook you up. So the Packers have a week. They have a week to get this stuff squared away. Um, I mean, again, it doesn't have to be. You can still negotiate, but you risk losing players. And you have less than that with Devontae because he has to be tagged before, before he has the ability to walk out the door or a contract has to be come to. But so, so again, the, the news is going to be happening, I have to assume, pretty fast and furious. Some things, again, they won't get done, and the hope is that we can work on a deal before they get pulled away, which is still a possibility, you know, but it is, um, it's getting to be crunch time for sure. I think since we do have a little bit of extra, well, I don't know if we have time, but we're going to do it anyways, because I do want to do this. I want to play what Matt LaFleur said a couple days ago about Rich Bisaccia and just kind of get those kinds of things uh, squared away, just so that you can hear it, because I thought it was interesting. So I want to play that for you right quick. I think it's coming together great. Um, You know, we haven't all been in Lambeau together yet. Uh, we, We just kind of finished up hiring the last three guys I would say this past week, and so I'm looking forward to next week getting everybody together and, and really moving on and and really diving in into our scheme and the, obviously free agency, the draft, and just how we can improve as a football team. Tell me about Rich Masaccia, your new special teams coordinator. Yeah, he's special, and you can feel it right away. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and just sang him praises, and I think that's just a, a great reflection of, of who he is, what he's all about, and I know he's going to be demanding. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to learning from him, not only from, spe- from a special team standpoint, but as a leader of men. I, I, you know, there's some guys that I've been around that I really respect, a guy like Will Compton that when you hear him talk about he's the greatest leader that he's ever been around, and I think that says everything you need to know about Rich. How about first impressions of your new quarterbacks coach, Tom Clements? Oh, Tom is as cool as they come now. Uh, he's so even keeled and, you know, he's another guy that, that's got a wealth of experience and just to hear Aaron talk about him and, and how instrumental he was in his development, his ability to, you know, develop his own process uh, in, in the way he sees the game. So I think there's going to be a lot for all of us to learn in that room, myself included. Uh, but whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, Kurt Bankert, whoever's in that room is definitely going to gonna learn from Tom. So- all right, we'll stop it there. So I wanted to play that whole thing out just to get, you know, his perspective on um, Tom Clements and whatnot. But really, that's about Rich Bisacci. That was the most important thing. And it was really good to hear. I mean, we can look at the numbers and the stats and all that and say, eh, there seemed to have been a regression, but maybe it was the player. Maybe. Uh, at the end of the day, again, we were, we're raising the floor, but also just to get the buy-in. That was one of the big things Matt LaFleur brought here. Um, I think our defensive coordinator kind of brought that a little bit. You know, we're talking about high-energy guys, but it's it's also just about getting buy-in and getting players to really like and appreciate this, to hear that he's really demanding and is kind of a jerk. I appreciate that. Um, he will not tolerate poor play. You know, he's he doesn't sound like he's a player's coach. Now, that doesn't mean he's not likable because, again, we just heard he is very likable, but he's not the kind of guy who's going to be your buddy. 
It's about respect. And that's a two-way street. You're either going to do your job and I'm going to appreciate your work ethic, or I'm going to ride you and I'm going to probably really not be your best friend. And you're probably not going to like me very much. And I think that's what we need. Um, just a couple other non-Packers uh, related things. Apparently, the news has come out that Kirk Cousins will not be taking any kind of a pay cut. I don't think that's necessarily surprising, but um, that is the assumption. This was uh, brought up via Chad Graff of The Athletic. He says, uh, don't expect Cousins to take a discount to stay with the Vikings. Again, that shouldn't really be surprising. I don't think many players hardly ever take any kind of discounts to stick around. And um Cousins is no different. He signed a contract, and that contract will be honored. <laughs> you said you're going to pay me this much. By the way, it was fully guaranteed, um, and I intend to get paid. You know, that's the reason I signed it, right? When you go through these tough negotiations, you hold out and you hold out and you hold out, and then finally they offer you something that you're comfortable with. Well, what was the point of holding out all that if at the end of it you're going to go, eh, I don't care about the money. I don't, we'll just do a discount. It's not going to happen. Uh, there was also some news that the Commanders, which I still cannot wrap my head around saying that, but the Washington Commanders made a real strong push for Russell Wilson. Sounds like it went absolutely nowhere. I wouldn't really expect much out of that. We've been hearing that pretty much every year since forever with this whole Russell Wilson thing. Um, but the, the the point is the the Washington Commanders, for those keeping score, are pushing real hard. They're They're very similar to what you saw with the Bears last year where they were kind of desperate. They were calling Russ. They were calling Deshaun. They were calling all these different guys. None of that really panned out. And then they ended up trading up in the first round to get a quarterback. Um, you're feeling sort of that same level of desperation out of Washington. You are, you can kind of assume Denver's kind of a, in a similar boat. I don't know if they're going to actually uh, pursue that level of desperation, but you're kind of feeling it. So there, there might be some situations with some real tough – and we got to see what happens with free agency and maybe Russ and who knows, maybe Rodgers. I don't know. But um, that'll be interesting to watch come draft day to, to keep that in the back of your mind and see how these things develop and see where these quarterbacks kind of land in terms of are they even a good value? Are they going to trade back, trade up, whatever? Um, and then finally, uh, you've got the Cowboys are likely to release wide receiver Amari Cooper. Now, I talked about this a couple weeks ago when I was going, I don't know why I was talking about Dallas. I think I was just showing how teams are regressing or whatever. But I mentioned there's a really good chance they get rid of Amari Cooper. Now, what I said was they could probably just ride this out because you're going to have to do a deal with Gallup. But you could ride it out with Amari this year, then get rid of him next year, and then pay Gallup. So that, or, or, or maybe you pay him, and then it's a, a low contract year, and then you cut. The point is you can kind of finagle it a little bit to make it work if you wanted to, if you wanted to keep the band together for another year. But the point is you can't carry three wide receivers. And they have three. Now, CeeDee Lamb is a rookie, so he's going to be cheap. And Gallup is just about to get his contract. So again, you could probably hang on to Amari, have him the only guy that's really hurting your cap for a year until Gallup's contract balloons. And then we also got to start looking at paying CeeDee Lamb pretty soon. Um, but not terrible news. I mean, Dallas is one of the few teams you assume is going to be somewhat of a competitor. Um, and then you see that. And on top of that, there was also a an article done um, I don't know if Warren Sharp did this article or what, but anyways, he was talking about you should really expect a steep regression from the Cowboys. He says they are overvalued. They have the fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl. They're overvalued thanks to tremendous takeaway numbers last year. They had most defensive EPA gain from takeaways for any defense since 2012, uh, most Dallas takeaways since 1987, best Dallas turnover margin since 1981. 
And what do we know about turnovers? It's unsustainable. And again, every, nobody wants to acknowledge that, especially Dallas Cowboys fans. They just think that their guy's going to get, you know, double-digit takeaways every single year. That's not going to happen. It was one of the most rare things ever. It's not doesn't mean he's bad at football, although I, I would expect him to regress tremendously because the only thing propping him up was his interceptions. He otherwise was not that good of a corner. So expect the whole thing to fall apart. But what, what Warren is saying here is that largely the quality of the defense had everything to do with those takeover, takeaways. And if you take that away, the, the team overall kind of plummets. Now, you still got Micah Parsons, and you still got, you know, Dak is pretty good, and you still got some of your wide receivers and maybe a running back. I don't know. But um, a lot of people, and Warren's a data guy, he's looking at this going, yeah, there, there is going to be a steep drop-off for the Dallas Cowboys because a lot of what they did that made them good is unsustainable, right? There, there's a difference between being good with a guy like Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, et cetera, et cetera, because that's sustainable. There's every reason to believe that they'll be able to continue to play at a high level. And when you have a quarterback playing at that high of a level, whatever, right? A wide receiver like Devontae. I mean, it, it, if it was a wide receiver that you drafted that had, let's say, 20 touchdowns, you assume regression. If it's just Devontae being a really good wide receiver, he may go up in talent or down in talent a little bit, but it's not something that's going to get blown up interceptions and sacks that are out of the the norm entirely, no reason to believe that that's going to repeat. And again, when your talent is propped up based on those things largely, then you can kind of assume that there's going to be regression. Finally, I want to touch on uh, two massive rumors or reports that are out there. Number one, and I don't even know who this report is. It's some random thing with all pink and everything. And they even said they don't know who Devontae Adams is. But the report is he just bought a $12 million home in Las Vegas. Now, just because it's a pink profile that says they don't know who Devontae is doesn't mean it's not true. And if it is true, I do think it's somewhat troubling. Um, but it's also just kind of odd. It it's, uh, sort of reminds me of, of Rodgers getting a home in Tennessee, which those reports ended up, as far as I can tell, being true. But it has nothing to do with him going to Tennessee. I mean, obviously, he's buying a home where he wants his home to be. He wants, you know, you, you want to have a home that is your home, a place that you could say, you know, Green Bay is where I am, it's where I work, and we have a home there. But where is going to be our home, right? He's married, he has a child, we can set up a home anywhere in the world. Where do you want to be? Now, I don't know why in the world you would choose Las Vegas. It's a horrific city, not only with all the vices and everything else that are really problematic and whatnot, but it's, you know, crime and drugs and all that kind of stuff is terrible. But whatever, that's none of my business. Now, I know there's a connection there between Las Vegas, the Raiders, and um, Devante, but it's way too presumptuous to be buying a home. Even if you say, I refuse to play for anybody but Vegas, and I know they're going to offer me a contract, the Packers have the ability to franchise tag you. And even if you say, well, I'm not playing too bad, then you sit, but you will sit in Green Bay. And then come next year, you want to go play with your buddy Derek Carr, you don't even know if he's going to be the quarterback. You don't know what's going on with the ownership there, with the leadership there, whether or not they're going to see that as a viable option, if it's even worth it. If they're getting rid of Carr and they've already got wide receivers, maybe they draft one this year. Uh, and they just feel like we don't want to dump that massive amount of money into Devontae Adams. It just doesn't make sense. So there's no way in the world this has anything to do with he's going to Vegas. That doesn't make any sense. So if it's even true, um, there, there's almost no way to draw any line between him and, and playing for the Raiders. It's, it's just, where do we want our home to be? The other report that came out is about um, Aaron Rodgers apparently really struggling to make his decision. Um, I had this uh, report here. 
I will play it for you now. It's Ian Rappaport talking about Aaron Rodgers being torn on where he wants Which, to play. Which, of course, the biggest storyline all week, non-combat related, is the future of Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. All eyes on him as we await a decision. My understanding, after talking to sources of the last couple hours, is that Aaron Rodgers is truly torn as far as where he wants to play in 2022. And I know the conventional wisdom is that he ends up back in Green Bay, and perhaps that happens. There's a lot of positivity between Rodgers and Green Bay, and no doubt the organization is intent on doing everything it possibly can to bring back the reigning MVP. But I am told as of right now, he is going back and forth on where he wants to play in 2022. As we have more, we will bring it to you. But that is the Aaron Rodgers latest, Rich. So let's start with the obvious here, and that is if you bet against the media since 2022 began on the Aaron Rodgers saga, you would be undefeated. You would be undefeated. If you just said, I don't believe it, you would be right, I'm pretty sure, about 100% of the time. So if you wanted to come out and say this is a bogus report, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. However, you would lose a little bit, and and I know it, it should be easy to figure out why, and that is because this is somewhat intuitive. Ian Rappaport knows that the Green Bay Packers are trying to strike a deal with Aaron Rodgers and that they have not come to an agreement yet. What does that mean? It means they haven't come to an agreement yet. They're not done. So Rodgers doesn't know what he's going to do yet. You cannot say with 100% certainty he's going to play for Green Bay because Green Bay apparently has not put anything on the table that you're willing to do. Now, from there, the only real interesting tidbit is he saying that he hasn't decided where he's going to play. Now, the, the assumption previously um, has largely been he's not going anywhere. He's either deciding whether or not he's going to retire or he's going to play for the Green Bay Packers. There is no leaving. This seems to contradict that. He is, According to Ian, it sounds like he's saying he has made a decision to come back, but has not yet finalized that coming back with the Packers is going to be the best thing and may end up going somewhere else. Now, again, this may be the speculation part, because as I said, they get little bits of information and they fill in the gaps. Here's the reason why I don't like this report. When you think about where's the gap filling and where's the information, it sounds to me like the information is Rodgers hasn't made a decision yet, and the gap filling is he's trying to decide what team to go to, and he's not looking at retirement necessarily, which he didn't even say that, but he kind of just left that out. If the only information we assume that he has is that Rodgers hasn't made his decision yet, we know that because he hasn't made any kind of an announcement, and the Packers haven't made an announcement. It's not a done deal. Duh. So again, you come back to what new information do we have? None. Unless you really believe that every single word out of his mouth is is 100% information that he has. Not that he's speculating, not that he heard from somebody who's speculating. He knows 1,000%. If that's true, this is interesting information. Because again, he has decided to come back. He is not retiring, but he has not decided whether the Packers or a different team is a better option. And maybe he wants to kind of wait it out and see if he can get a better deal somewhere else. And And in reality... If you think about the whole, he's not going to drag this thing out, what that really may mean is, I'm not going to drag this out any further than I need to, but what I need is some information. In other words, we need to hit the free agency period, or at least the legal tampering period, where I can start receiving phone calls and things, so I can find out what my market is elsewhere. Because I'm just curious. I'm curious what teams are in, and why wouldn't you be, honestly? I mean, obviously, the ideal would be that Rodgers just says, oh yeah, I'd love to come back. 
I don't really care what anybody's offering me. But in reality, if you really are even a little bit, tur- even it's not even torn, just curious. I'd be curious. Like, you know, what teams are going to call and what are they going to offer? You never know. I'd just be cu- I just want to know. So maybe you do drag it out until like the 14th or whatever date I said and just see what they say. And, and you know, I'm 95% sure I'm coming back, but I want the phone calls. And I'm going to solicit the phone calls and I'm going to find out what, what teams want for me. And I will make my decision from that point on. And again, likely I'll, I'll end up coming back to Green Bay, but I'm, I'm just, I'm not even necessarily speculating what I think is happening. I'm just saying I would be curious. Yeah, but the team needs to know. Yeah, well, whatever. It's my life, dude. It's where I'm going to be for the next couple of years. It's what I'm going to be doing with my life over the next several years. It's, it's my money with millions of dollars on the line. It's, it's, you know, where I'm going to be living. It's what I'm going to be doing. It's, it's, it's everything for me for years to come. What is my life over the next couple of years? You can freaking wait a week. Sorry. You're going to have to get over it, Mr. Green Bay Packer fan who I don't even know. But anyways, that's the end of that nonsense. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll come back and take a look at what we saw with the running backs and the offensive tackles and whatnot. Please don't forget to head over to my Twitter, Pack underscore Daddy. Help Drew get his seizure service dog. I'm trying to raise money for that. Head over to the Facebook group. You can find the GoFundMe for Jamie and Carter, who were in a car accident. Um, making some great progress on that, by the way. $8,300 raised so far. So another, you know, $1,600, $1,700. And uh, we're going to call it done and good to go. Obviously, that's just our part. Um, Cody still has a long road ahead, as as does uh, Jamie and Carter. And we wish them the best. But uh, let's see if we can close this one out. Um, Just need some... Again, if everybody involved went over, gave ten bucks, twenty bucks, whatever, we're we're out of this real fast, and it's going to do some some real good, some real good. Also, please don't forget about a modern frontier place where you can go get yourself some meat. Just had somebody send me a message uh, yesterday saying that theirs just arrived, so real exciting stuff. I got to get some meat cooking. I'm actually making a lot of pork this weekend, so um, taking kind of a beef break. I'm not, I'm not taking a break. I'm making more hot dogs, and I'm going to make some ground beef just to kind of have around, but um, I'm making pork loins today, and then I'm going to be making a pork butt because I'm stupid and timed my thawing and purchase of meat. I got two giant roasts and <laughs> basically ready to cook at the same time, but that's all right. We're going to be eating a lot of meat this week, but head over to a modernfrontier.com. Get yourself some delicious meat at great prices. One-eighth grass-fed beef box, butcher's dozen ground beef, or one-quarter pastured pork box. And don't forget to use promo code MEATPACKER. That's one word, all caps. You get $25 off your order. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
So Blaine and I, who's a semi-regular on the show, especially if you just count all the times I talk about him, we've been um, working together for several years on just different things. We're kind of just in sync on a lot of different things. And um, food is a big part of it. But the other one we've been doing is working on weight loss. And it's been real slow, but it's been real gradual and we're, we're making progress. But winter's always a real tough time. This is actually the, the only reason why we didn't just reach our goals years ago is because December, January, February exist. And you get into a funk and things kind of go the wrong way. And then, you know, it isn't until... March, April, May, June-ish, maybe, that you kind of turn the ship around. So it's half the year you're not doing well, half the year you're doing well. But anyways, we're, we're kind of starting something new that we're, we've developed because we need, we need to find a way to get through the tough patches and get back on track. We've decided to call it the program for very obvious reasons. So we'll see how it goes, but suffice, suffice it to say, I may be getting a little crabby over the next couple days because <laughs> the... Uh, the crux of it is really just do a bunch of stuff that you can't do and go do it anyways and fail. So I'm going to be doing a lot of really hard things that I really don't want to do and failing at all of them. For example, this morning I ran a seven-minute mile in 12 and a half minutes, and actually I ran the wrong direction, so it was a 1.33 mile run, and it took me like 16 minutes because half of it was like a, a brisk job and jog, and then half of it was like a 90-year-old man jog. But uh, Woke up, and of course it was raining this morning. It's like, oh, of course. It's 35 degrees in rain, but I got that down, and I'm going to be eating just a ton of, of stupid amount of meat and being diligent and all that kind of stuff. But um, for your sake, what that should mean, and the reason I'm telling you this is because it's a, a, an additional bout of accountability. Um, if you're on Patreon, you should be getting more content starting today. It's not necessarily something I expect to fail. I'm going to do this, but that's, that's just another thing. So it's going to be a long day, lots of work to do today, but uh, it is what it is. I'm not sure exactly what it'll be. I'm contemplating maybe doing a uh, at least a partial stream for the um, for the combine, but that's so boring and dry. I just don't know if I can do it. But anyway, stay tuned for that. Um, like I said, I've been purging patrons for quite a while, and I need to turn the ship around on that and be able to provide some content. So, anyways, let's talk about let's do let's do running backs. So the top running back at this particular point in time is Isaiah Spiller. And again, I'm coming from a place of not genuinely understanding um, what the expectation was. But I can tell you this is not great numbers. So he didn't, we don't have a 40-yard, we don't have any of the speed or agility drills for Isaiah Spiller. Um, what we do have is that he's six foot two seventeen. So that's that's fine size. There's nothing wrong with that, but he did his, and I don't know why, if you're just going to pick a drill, pick something you know you're good at. He did his explosion stuff, his vert and his broad jump. He had a 30-inch vertical and a 9-foot, 6-inch broad jump. His scores are a 1.4 and a 3.3 out of 10. Um, As far as a comp, we've got, for example, Ryquel Armstead would be like the only guy that's somewhat, like you would know who he is, but, you know, not great. Again, we got to see the 40-yard. We got to see the shuttle and the three-cone. We can maybe compensate for some of this stuff, um, but that's not super fantastic. Brees Hall, on the other hand, which, and, and I, I haven't looked at running backs in months. I mean, this was a long time ago. I remember I was a Brees Hall fan. Just just on a cursory look, that was kind of the thing that I was interested in. He's at 5'11", 217. So again, fairly big dude. I mean, Every time you see the five, you assume he's not big, but he's basically six feet tall. 217 pounds is a decent amount of weight. 
Um, he ran a 4.39. That's pretty blazing fast. I mean, especially for a running back. That's a separate tier for running backs. He also had a 40-inch vert and a 10-foot, 6-inch broad jump. Remember, that's compared to like a 30-inch vert and a, what did I say, 9-foot? So, so he, he, his broad jump was 1 foot more, and his vert was about um, 10 inches more. So just freaky numbers for Brees Hall. Now, again, I, I think his official numbers might have come in. I'm trying to look. I, I looked on Twitter. It looks like he they updated his number to a 4-4. Four, four. So, again, I guess it's not that far off. But either way, it's still really, really fast. And, and his prop line was a 4-4-8. Four, four, so it was, it was a little faster than expected. So as of right now, Isaiah Spiller is sitting at 48. Brees Hall is at sitting at 51. I doubt that's enough to launch Hall into the first round. It may be, but I doubt it. But either way, he probably takes over as RB1 would be my assumption. Uh, Kenneth Walker we have sitting here at 60. For some reason, I couldn't find him on the RAS website, but 5'9", 211, um, runs a 4.46. Next Gen Stats came out and said he actually compares really well to Doug Martin, kind of a throwback there. But overall, pretty good numbers. He's sitting at 60, so again, kind of back of the second round range. Then you got James Cook, who interestingly enough, I believe is Dalvin Cook's brother. So he's at Georgia. Um, Dalvin, he actually had a four, faster 40 time than his brother. And I remember Dalvin Cook was an absolute freak. He was another first round guy. Um, if you wanted to argue that he's a, a, a case for a first round pick, you can because he's been pretty good aside from the fact that he's been injured about as much as he's been healthy. But uh, James Cook actually ran a 4-4-2. So he's got some speed as well. Again, you know, and, and not everybody, but we're seeing some numbers that are just impressive in terms of speed. The NFL is going to get a lot faster this year. Let's put it that way. Between the offensive tackles, the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight ends, there is going to be an infusion of speed into the NFL. But here's kind of a, a fun video of him talking trash to his brother. Yeah, and you thought I wasn't going to beat your time, boy. I beat it. 4-4-2. Four, four, so anyways, he's projected to be kind of a third-round pick right now. Then you got Brian Robinson out of Alabama. As usual with Alabama guys, you get a big, massive horse of a running back, which is usually my style. It's why I like Alabama running backs. It's why I liked A.J. Dillon. Although I actually didn't like A.J. Dillon very much because his offensive line was so trash, he couldn't go anywhere. But generally speaking, I like big, bruising running backs. Six foot one, 225 pounds, ran a 4.53, which is not blazing fast, but for his speed, that's pretty pretty decent, right? That's that's good enough speed for a guy his size. Um Real low on the explosion, which is kind of surprising for a guy as big as he is um, to not really have that lower body strength that my concern would be. And I don't know how much this correlates, but my concern would be if you want a guy to have lower body drive as he hits the pile and pushes him, you want to see the vert and broad jump just to kind of show that explosion, you know, not just, you know, you, you want to explode through a guy's face, I guess, is what you want to be able to do. But either way, I, I think if the Packers are going to get a guy, it's not going to be a Brian Robinson type because we already have one. So um, looking more towards sort of the the other guys that we've been talking about. Not quite as big. Not that we want small, because I don't think they like the the five ten hundred and you know eighty three pound running backs with speed. But if you get a six foot two hundred and ten pound guy that's got some speed and some hands, it's interesting to me. Uh, Damian Pierce had kind of a funny moment when he was doing the bench press. He had twenty one reps on the bench, which is pretty impressive. But uh, he ended up swearing. The uh, spotter tried to grab the bar and he yelled at him, "Don't touch that!" You know what? Unfortunately for Pierce, he's he's kind of just a brute. Um, he's only five foot nine, but he's about two hundred twenty pounds, so he's shorter. He's stacked, and you know his bench of twenty one reps is pretty strong. His explosion grades are fine, but he ran a four five nine, which again for a running back is not the end of the world. 
but you're just not getting a ton from him, you know? Kind of a smaller bowling ball type. After that, you got Tyler Algier, who I have to assume his uh, draft stock is going to fall quite a bit. He's 5'10", uh, 224 pounds. So again, just a gigantic human being. Um, real stacked, real jacked. The issue, though, apparently um, at BYU, they clocked him at 439. Now, I don't know if anybody actually bought that number, but they apparently clocked him at 439. He ran a 46. So, um, again, the explosion grades were just okay. His speed grades are okay. Being a 224-pound guy, a 4.6 is fine, I guess. But, you know, nothing super spectacular there. Next up, you got Rashad White. He's at the 125 range, so we're we're into the 100s now. We're kind of getting into that bottlenecky range where some of these guys are going to fall probably further than they should. Six foot, 210 pounds, ran a 4.48. So that's pretty good speed for a guy his size. Uh, Goat House, who's a big YouTuber, says 38-inch vert jump for ASU running back Rashad White. Mid-round sleeper, good size, and can catch. I'm a fan. So this is kind of what I'm talking about in terms of, um, you know, you got a guy that's six foot two ten, so he's not a big bruising guy, but he's got size, so you're not worried about him getting hurt. He's got four four eight speed. He can catch the football, which is important. According to a lot of the, and this is going off of the RAS site four four eight. Uh, according to this 453, so maybe this got updated and he, he slowed down a little bit, but even still, that, that speed is not the worst for his size. I have a feeling White is going to go up the boards a little bit because um, most of what I'm seeing about Rashad White, and it may be Rashad, I don't know, I just don't want to say that because it sounds weird, but everybody on here loves him with a passion. Oh no, it says his official time is 4 So they gave him a 451 and his official was 448. But this is a guy where when you look at him, you look at the hype around him, you look at the, the, the stats and the grades and everything else, you have to assume that, and again, the, these this consensus big board is built on most people really just sorting out who's their top 32 guys. And after that, they're kind of just winging it. So I think, again, as these things get sorted out, you're going to see some wild shifts. So I, I assume White is going to be above Algier and Pierce and probably Robinson, probably even James Cook, to be completely honest. He's probably going to go more into that you know, early third, late second round conversation. Just a guess. I don't know. Then we got Zamir White sitting at 128 right now. 5'11", 214, ran 4'4". So again, he's got that speed. You got Brooks Austin, who's a big draft guy, just kind of blown away by that, saying his stock is going to go through the roof as a result. Says he obliterated expectations is what uh, Math Bomb had to say. So he was not expected to run nearly this fast at, again, 5'11", 214 pounds running in the 4'4s. Uh, comment here says, really hope those knees check out because Zamir White going 447 with a 10-8 broad jump at 214 seems like it could vault him up the boards. So I'm probably going to cut it off there at running back. We don't need to go through every single one of them, but those are kind of the top guys right now. Um, again, not a ton of big time notes, but just sort of that's what happened yesterday. Those are the top running backs as of right now, kind of roughly through about 150 or so. Moving over to the offensive line, I did the top 100 and that accounted for, again, 16 offensive tackles, but only three guards and one center in the entire top 100. That center, however, just so happens to be one of the best offensive linemen in this entire class, though. Tyler Linderbaum, um, absolute absolute stud. He is expected to go very, very early. Now, it's one of those things where positionally he may not go very high. I mean, the, 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 really, the only reason he wouldn't go top 10, the assumption would be, is because he's a center. If, if he was a tackle as good as he is, he'd probably be you know, top five or so. 
But the big buzz about Tyler Linderbaum is that he measured. He's six foot two ninety six, so he's a smaller guy. Ten inch hands, thirty one and one eighth inch arms, and seventy five and five eighth inch wingspan. Um, basically, short arms. And there's usually tackles kind of get dinged for that. But the question is, is he going to fall based on having short arms? And the general, you know consensus, I guess, is if he falls, somebody's going to get a steal because it doesn't matter. He's incredibly talented. We'll see. I don't know. I don't have a horse in that race. But that was really the only thing from Tyler Linderbaum yesterday. He didn't do much um, by way of running or doing anything, but he did measure and he measured small. And some people are thinking that may negatively affect him. Of the guards, I've only got three. And, and again, I had to kind of take note of different positions because offensive linemen tend to move from position to position. So, um, where I put them and where they played is really just a matter of where they played most. A lot of this is subjective, but the 20th overall, so by the way, Tyler Lindebaum right now is sitting at about 15th overall. Kenyon Green is sitting at 20 out of Texas A&M. He is, I put him as a left guard. He's also played a little bit at right guard, right tackle, left tackle. Um, out of, again, Texas A&M. But Kenyon Green, uh, 6'4", 323, certainly not a size issue, ran a 5-2-4, was not one of the blazing fast guys, but that's acceptable for a guy his size, especially 323. Usually kind of build as a people mover. Again, sitting at 20, he's not really expected to be there. And I don't know if we would take a guard in the first round anyways. But if he were to fall, that's kind of what you're getting. The, the question is, is that going to be, is he going to be uh, athletic enough to be able to do what the Packers want him to do? Remember, when we had Billy Turner at guard, one of the benefits of that was Billy Turner is a pretty athletic guy. And so when we pulled him and he basically he had to run to the other side of the field and go block somebody, he was pretty good at that. I don't know that this would be necessarily the greatest fit, but there you go. After that, you got Zion Johnson, left guard, also played some left tackle, um, a decent amount. I put him at left guard because I think that's what he's going to be, and that's what he's done the most and probably most recent, I don't recall. But um, he's played about as much at left tackle as well. So that is an option for, for Johnson. Probably not, but you know we'll see how it goes. But six foot, uh, six three, 314 pounds. He ran a 5.18, which is actually really fast for a guy his size, uh, there was also an interesting clip that I want to play here. This is via um, Daniel Jeremiah. Here's what he had to say. And just when I heard him say this, it kind of perked my ears up just a little bit. And again, he's sitting at 29. So he's sitting right at where the Packers are picking. I know he's a guard, but he's a guard slash tackle. And apparently he played a little bit of center, as we're going to hear here. But let me play this for you. He's played tackle. Then you see him at guard this year. And that senior bowl, he goes to center. Incredibly smart. He's going to be a 10-plus-year starter in the NFL. So versatility, athleticism, intelligence, right in that range, something to keep an eye on. We've talked about how offensive line is probably the most important need for the Packers and getting that right. We'll we'll, uh, circle back, as I said, and look at some of these prospects a little bit more in depth later because we don't have time today, but that's one you got to have to put a circle around and put a pin in because he just checks all the boxes. Big, athletic. Smart, versatile, can play all three positions, you know. Um, his explosion grade was elite, 32-inch vert, 9-foot, uh, 4-inch broad jump. Uh, good speed, but again, it, it was really just his splits that he, he struggled with, but his 40-yard dash, 5.18, had an 8 overall um, score. And then his agility grades, which again, you're, you're a guard, you got to be able to move in, 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 in the outside zone kind of stuff. 446 shuttle, 7383 cone. That's an elite agility grade for his size. He also, by the way, unbelievably strong. He's number one in the bench press this year with 32 reps on the bench. 
And then finally, we got one more guard. He's all the way down at 98th, but Dylan Parham, who's a left guard, also plays some right guard and right tackle. So again, you got some versatility there. But Dylan also had an 8.83 overall uh, RAS. Now, his his height and weight, his size grade was the worst part of it at 6'2", 3'11", but his explosion grade was good, including his broad jump, which had an 8.79. He ran a 4.9340, which, you know, similar to the wide receivers, there were a bunch of offensive linemen that were sub 540 times, and that really is impressive. I know he's not the biggest guy, so he could probably move a little bit, but he's still 311 pounds. And he's moving 311 pounds at a speed of sub 540 time. He had an elite speed grade. And his agility was also good. 4-7 shuttle, 7-7-8-3 cone, 7.2 and 7.0 RAS scores. And apparently a lot of teams are wanting to push him to kind of center. Dane Brugler actually listed him as a center, despite the fact that I haven't seen him play at all center in college. But teams really want to see him do that. He mentioned that uh, the Titans were talking to him and kind of pushing to see him more at center. And you got this quote from Ryan Fowler. And, and remember, this is what I'm talking about when I say that there's a lot of depth, similar to wide receiver and tight end. Usually when you think, you know, this is he's 98th overall, so he's not even that good. He's way down the line. That's just not the case. There's so much talent in that top 100. You can find guys further down the line that still have elite traits. Here's Ryan Fowler of the Draft Network. He says, you'd be hard-pressed to find better footwork in the entire class than Memphis interior offensive lineman Dylan Parham. He's smooth as silk. Yet someone else talking about he's probably a second or third round prospect. So that's it for all the interior guys. And then we got a bunch of tackles. I don't know if I'm going to go through all of them because, you know, we're buttoned up against an hour already. But um, some of these top guys, we don't really need to worry about too much. And again, like I said, it's super top heavy. Evan Neal out of Alabama, uh, Ikam Ikwanu out of NC State, and Charles Cross. These are three top 10 tackles. We're not going to get anywhere near that unless Aaron Rodgers is getting traded, in which case maybe, but not going to happen. All three of these guys did a really good job. Well, I don't think Evan Neal really did anything, but he measured, and he measured as a massive human being like he is. Um, And then Iquanu and Charles Cross both posted very, very good um, athleticism grades as far as their RAS. So so they they did what was expected, but again, we're not going to get anywhere near that. Then you've got Trevor Penning, who's currently sitting at 28th overall. So obviously a lot of people have him circled as a potential player for the Green Bay Packers. Um, There was... uh, the defensive linemen were doing media availability. And a lot of the times they get asked, you know, who's the best offensive lineman you go up against? Well, defensive lineman Zach Carter out of Florida said Trevor Penning was the toughest offensive lineman he faced at the Senior Bowl. Evan Neal was the toughest he faced this season. So a nod for Trevor Penning. And yes, he was another one that ran a sub 540. He ran a 491. I don't know if that was, let me see if that was the official or not. Um, 489 is what so you want to talk about a super freak athlete 996 was his overall ras and it's just a sea of green six foot seven 320 freaking pounds this guy is six foot seven 325 pounds his explosion grades were good um 28 inch vert was not the best in the world but he had a nine foot three inch broad jump which is a nine overall score he ran a 489 which is elite and then he had a great agility score with an 8.0 and a 9.8 score as far as his RAS. The actual times were 462 shuttle, 725 three cone. So again, as far as circling guys goes, um, Trevor Penning, offensive tackle. Um, he is strictly a left tackle. He did play a little bit of right guard, not much, but um, 
Obviously, that job is not up for grabs. Could he possibly move to right tackle? I don't know. But if you're looking for a guy that can get out and move, a massive human, by the way, at 6'7", 325, that had a great college career and can move like the wind, you might have found your guy. So, you know, and again, it's exciting because you look at the wide receivers and you go, man, that would be so cool if we got those wide receivers. And you look at the tight ends and you go, man, it'd be so cool if we got those guys. And then you look at, again, Zion Johnson, and it's like, man, that would be pretty awesome. So you can go down the line. And again, a lot of this is just finding guys to really, really start to appreciate and really, really want. That is my goal. And right now, Trevor Penning, I'm excited about him. Zion Johnson, I can get excited about that. Chris Olave, I can get excited about that. Traylon Burks, who some people think might fall because of his 40 time or something, I don't know. Drake London could get excited about that. Jamison Williams, I can get excited about that. So there's plenty of guys that um, if the Packers call their name, I'm going to be stoked about it. Uh, On top of that, though, there's another really athletic guy by the name of Bernard Raymond. Raymond is an Austrian, 6'6", 303 pounds, so not the heaviest, but really big dude. 30 reps on the bench, so he's pretty strong. Uh, had a 5.0540, so it wasn't sub-5, but that's still blazing speed. It's a 9.01 score overall. He has elite speed grade, elite agility grade, and elite explosion grade. So another guy that just has all the components. Now, it, it doesn't really tell you how good of a blocker he is, right? There's 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 a whole science behind being a good offensive tackle that goes beyond how fast can you run in a straight line. I fully acknowledge that, but this goes to ceiling. This goes to if we believe they have the components and they can be taught and they can do all these things, there's really no hard ceiling in terms of how good they can be. So uh, Bernard Raymond, left tackle out of Central Michigan, is another guy to keep an eye on, put a little little circle around that guy as a potential for the Green Bay Packers. After that, you got Darian Kennard. Now, Kennard, we're, we're still at just 43 overall, so we're still talking potential first-round picks of pretty much everybody we've talked about. The only guy that was really far down was Donald uh, Dylan Parham at 98, and again, he might be going up really high anyway. So we might be talking about second round, third round prospects of all these guys we've talked about so far, every single one of them, as far as the offensive linemen go. Darian Kennard, on the other hand, though, really had a bad uh, day at the combine. He's six foot five, three twenty two, So he's got some weight on him, but he had a poor explosion grade. He had an okay speed grade running a five, three, one and a very poor agility grade. So this guy can't move. The Packers are not going to touch him. So the odds of him being a second-round pick, staying a second-round pick, are very, very low. So it was a bad day for Darian Kennard out of Kentucky. Then you get one of the more intriguing guys in the entire uh, class, especially at offensive line, and that's Daniel Fealele. That's how I'm going to say it anyways. Six foot eight, 384 pounds. Just a stupid, massive human being. In fact, heaviest player at the Combine since 2003. Just flat out. Now, generally, I kind of look at that as a negative, right? Because I can't imagine I can't imagine that you can really do very much with that much weight. Uh, and the fact that he only did 24 reps on the bench, I know the bench isn't all that big of a deal. But again, if you're 384 pounds, the assumption is, well, you're really strong. At some point, I think the weight and the height just doesn't have as... And granted, when you're 6 foot 8, 384 is probably comparable to some of these 6 foot 3 guys at, you know, 320 or whatever. But still, I, you know... It's kind of cool. Like if we drafted him, you look at him and go, this guy's a beast. He's just going to throw people around. And it's fun to think about. But at the same time, on a realistic standpoint, I just, I don't know. I don't know how much that really means to me. But I think if you're just looking for a guy that can just swallow up edge rushers, there's your guy. And he's sitting at 49. So we're still in the second round. After that, you got Ohio State's Nicholas Petit Frere. He really did not do very well in terms of his athleticism. But I think what you get with him is just a good football player. 
Um, if you just look through his statistics, you know, 38 pa- uh, pass blocking snaps uh, against Michigan State, zero pressure, zero sacks. And just down the line, he's, he, I think PFF had him as like a top 10 tackle. The, the film shows a guy that plays football well. But again, when you talk about ceiling, when you talk about how good this guy can really be, he's 6'5", 316. He had a poor explosion grade. Uh, ran a 5-1-4-40, which is okay for his size and didn't do anything as far as his agility is concerned. So it's just kind of a ho-hum performance for uh, a, a top prospect. After that, you've got Georgia's Jeremy Salier, uh, Salier, Sal- whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, everything you want in just a big, strong, massive human, he's only six foot three, so he's not very big. I mean, for a tackle, he's it, his, his RAS score for that height is 0.28. So it's getting into this guy can't play tackle territory. But at 321 pounds, he's a big dude and 31 reps on the bench. So for every reason you look at him go, he's not super tall, but he's heavy and he's really strong. Probably want to kick him inside. There's also some clips out there of him. It's it's interesting because uh, when Petit Frere out of Ohio State went up against Aiden Hutchinson, he got kind of lit up, right? And the, the whole thing was Aiden Hutchinson just rips through another tackle and kind of tanks his his draft stock. Well, there's a video of uh, Jamari Salyer absolutely pancaking Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> he is just, I mean, he is just such a, he's as wide as he is tall. He's just a massive human being. And Aiden Hutchinson went straight toward him. He stuck his hands in his chest and just threw him back on the back of his head. So I don't know where he's going to play, where he's going to get drafted or any of that kind of stuff. But this guy is, is just an absolute freaking tank. After that, you got Max Mitchell. Now we're all the way to 81, so we're kind of getting into that third roundish territory, which still is not that bad. We're still talking really good tackles, but Max Mitchell did have a pretty bad day. Um, 5-3-2-40 time, um, okay agility, okay explosion, and it's 307 pounds is kind of a smaller guy, six foot six with 307. And so again, I think what you get with Mac, Max Mitchell is, well, go look at his tape. The problem is he played at Louisiana Lafayette, which is a pretty small school. So you're watching him just absolutely obliterate lower level talent. Then you got Abraham Lucas. The interesting thing about Abraham Lucas is the Packers actually did meet with him. Um, apparently we met with Tyler Linderbaum as well, but that was kind of an informal thing and it doesn't really mean anything because obviously we're not going to get him. But the first guy on this list that we have actually uh, officially met with is Abraham Lucas. Abraham Lucas had a 9.4 RAS score, which is fantastic. He ran a 5-flat 40 time at 6.6315, so he's got speed for days, and his agility grade was also elite with a 4-4 shuttle and a 7.25 three-cone. He also apparently is in a pretty exclusive club. Um, this is via Josh Norris. He says, your team should target every offensive line prospect that runs a sub-447 short shuttle. Over the last 10 years, only 24 players have hit that time at the Combine. They combined to start 84% of their career games, including gems like Kelsey, Paradise, or Paradise, and Leno. Uh, he went on to list all these guys. By the way, Jason Spriggs is on this list. But all the more reason to keep this guy circled, because obviously the Packers saw that and liked that. He just was one of the few that really didn't pan out. But there are four new members to that club. One of them, so Zion Johnson is another one. Again, double circle that guy. But also Abraham Lucas. Of, of the guys we're going to be talking about today is another one at a 4.4 shuttle. In fact, that's a, that's actually the fastest. Nobody is about... Anthony Costanzo and and Andre Dillard had 4.4s. Nobody else had faster than a 4.4. So very, very premier um, athleticism. Next up is Sean Ryan, another really massive human being that's probably going to kick into guard. Um, but 
he stood out with his 33 and a half inch vert, uh, some real good testing numbers, including his broad jump at nine foot two inches, elite explosion. Um, his three cone 755 was fantastic. He did run a 525, which is not great, but at six foot four, 321, it's not the end of the world. And again, he's probably going to kick inside. Penn State's Rashid Walker is, we're, we're actually done with the top 100 list. That was the end of it with Sean Ryan. But Rashid Walker is a guy added to the list because the Packers met with him. So I wanted to add him because the Packers obviously saw something in him. He measured in at uh, six foot six, 313 pounds. He didn't do any other tests. However, Aiden Hutchinson, there was a quote saying that Rashid Walker is one of the best opposing offensive tackles he faced. That's some serious praise from one of the best, pa- or probably the best pass rusher in this entire class. Rashid Walker is also pretty famous. I had retweeted one of his um, one of his highlights. Just just something to keep in the back of your mind if we end up drafting this guy. He has a highlight of um, against Maryland. He pancakes a guy. The guy ends up kind of you know falling down on his face. Rashid Walker falls down on top of him as you usually do when you pancake a guy. You finish the block. You fall on him with all of your weight to make him know that um, that you just dominated the guy. Rashid Walker decided to take it a step further and completely demonstrate that he has dominated this other human being and proceeds to, you know, hump his back. <laughs> it's it's on there, man. Just type in Rashid Walker. It's right there. So um, just an absolutely brutal, demoralizing tactic because I guarantee if I'm that edge rusher, I'm never lining up on that side again. I said, you, you can either put me on the other side, coach, or you can bench me. I'm never ever talking to that person ever again. But uh, he's at about 115 right now. Another guy the Packers met with is um, Abina Eze, currently sitting at about 160. He did not test out super well. Uh, six foot six, 321 pounds. Okay, explosion grades. Um, 517, 40 time was relatively good, but then his agility grade was horrific. It's listed as very poor. 0.7 uh, grade on the shuttle and a 1.6 grade on the three cone. The actual times were 508 shuttle and an 823 cone. So he doesn't move very well. And then finally, we got Cade Mays. Cade Mays was actually a pretty high up prospect for quite a while, but has just continued to fall and fall and fall. Again, he's on the list because the Packers didn't meet with him at the Senior Bowl. He is currently sitting at 198 overall. Not a terrible um, score, though. 772. Um, RAS six foot four, three hundred and eleven pounds. By the way, he is a right tackle slash right guard, probably going to be a guard in the NFL. Okay, explosion, good speed, running a five two four, which again, good is is just, in other words, okay. And then his agility was also good with actually a pretty solid three cone at seven five seven. So again, meeting doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I wanted to at least highlight him because the Packers did meet with him at the Senior Bowl, so I figured it was worth talking about. Two other notes really quickly. Kent Lee Platt also said Zachary Thomas might have the best-looking 40-yard dash I've ever seen from an offensive lineman. Off like a rocket, smooth and fast. And then finally, some negative news. Andrew Rupsich pulls up at the end of his 40, hoping it's nothing serious. Run looked good, started pulling up a few steps short. So that's it, man. That's all the offensive line and running back news that I've got. That's start to finish. Um, Again, I'm not going to do more prospects, although I could, but who really cares? Um, Today on the docket from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock a.m., I'm assuming this is Eastern time, not positive. Uh, Where is, it's Indy? Yeah, that's Eastern. You got the D-backs and the kickers who are going to be doing interviews. 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock a.m., you have just defensive backs doing more interviews. 
And then starting at 4 o'clock, which would be 3 o'clock Central Time, defensive linemen and linebackers will be uh, doing the on-the-field athletic testing and positional drills. Again, maybe I'll do a live stream. I really don't think so, though. It's just it, I don't think it's going to be interesting enough to watch, so we probably won't. I mean, you can watch it, but I don't, I don't want you to watch me watching it. That's stupid. But uh, we'll have more to talk about tomorrow looking at some of these guys because obviously this is another really big and important position group for us. Defensive line, we're talking... Um, edge rushers, defensive tackles, and linebackers. That's massive for us. So some more guys we get to fall in love with. I got to find a new phrase because that sounds weird. But you guys have yourselves a great Saturday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.